This podcast is not suitable for work. If you're under the age of 18, kindly and with all due respect, get the fuck out. I mean it. Go on. Bye-bye. Mm-mm. See you later. This isn't for you. Nope. Mm-mm. America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're in bondage or we're wearing leather or being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, American Sex, with Ken Melvoin Berg and Sonny Megatron. Ken Stina? Yes, Mommy Dearest? No wire hangers ever! Jesus fucking Christ, you're taking this roleplay a little bit too seriously. Come on, it's fun. I'd rather you go bald than to school looking like a tramp. But I am a tramp, mommy dearest. Why can't you give me the respect I'm entitled to? Why can't you treat me like I'm treated by any stranger on the street, Constina? <laughs> <laughs> so should we tell them what we're talking about? Yeah. Other than the obvious, I'm not mad at you, I'm mad at the dirt. Yes. So we decided to do a little sexy role play uh, earlier in the week, and I was Christina, and she was Mommy Dearest, and we had a really good time. It was amazing. And we took video. Like, we might potentially include some of that in the Patreon. Some of it. Not, not all, all of it. it. <laughs> all of it is for private. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely need to put the picture up. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put a picture up of Ken and I as he looked so cutest christina he was in a little frilly skirt and a, and a blonde wig it was really cute i was pretty fucking hot. yeah so hi friends welcome to american sex i'm sunny megatron and this is ken melvoin berg aka ken stina <laughs> and i guess this is a really good subject because this week's episode is all about bdsm which is kind of cool so we're we've inadvertently fit into the theme of this week. Now, this episode will be of particular interest to those folks that have said to themselves, self, I think I might be kinky. Now what? But first, I want to tell you about all of the awesome stuff that's going on in the free sex toys you can get from us. Now, here on American Sex Podcast, we give away sex toys and accessories every single month. For January, we're giving away a Crave Vesper 24 karat gold vibrating necklace valued at 150 American dollars. It's been graciously provided by our sponsor, Castle Megastore. Head on over to sunnymegatron.com backslash Vesper, V E S P E R, to enter. We'll draw the winner on February 1st. And don't forget, as always, you get 20% off your order at castlemegastore.com when you use the code SUNNY, that's S U N N Y, at checkout. 
Thanks, Castle Megastore. I want to give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporters who started supporting us in the last week. Big welcome and heartfelt appreciation to Skits, Veronica, Jessica, and Anthony. And listeners, don't forget, you can hop on over to patreon.com slash American Sex to hear our guest bonus stories, and a lot of them are free. So going up this week is a great story from episode 17's guest, Allison Moon of Girl Sex 101. She tells a story about a condom gone rogue. Now, again, many of these bonus tracks are absolutely free. And if you choose to support us monetarily on Patreon, you will also get other perks like access to our episodes early, bonus material, and occasional random bonus gifts. Yes, in fact, I will be mailing out a surprise thing or two to some of our January supporters. So there's still time for you to be one of those folks. I have for sure selected at least a Scandal Red Room kit going out to one of our lucky supporters. And I think I might pick a a thing or two extra as well. So pay attention to your Patreon inbox supporters after January pledges are billed on February 1st. You might just get a note from me telling you that something's on its way. And as of right now, there's only 16 of you. So the odds are pretty damn good that you might be selected. And speaking of supporting the show, I've mentioned a few times that spreading the word about American sex is difficult for us because businesses having to do with sex and sexuality, sex education, all that stuff, they aren't allowed to advertise on social media. So the best ways you can support us is by being part of our word of mouth street team. Just tell people about us. And the latest blow is actually Facebook just announced this week that the timeline algorithm is being changed. So businesses that don't advertise will show up less in people's timelines. So that's to encourage businesses to use the paid advertising, which if we could, we would, but we can't. So we're, we're unfortunately not going to. So we're stuck in a pickle. So. They did mention that pages with a lot of engagement will still be seen. So what you can do is interact with our page. Comment, like, share, all that fun stuff. Tell people about us. And that goes true on Twitter and Instagram, too. The algorithms work the same way. So share our posts. You're going to be helping other people see it, too. Thank you. And P.S., it would behoove you to follow Sonny's Instagram account, which is Instagram.com backslash Sonny Megatron. And maybe she might be hosting an incredible giveaway for one of the hottest new sex accessories that everyone is dying to get their hands on. Okay, look, you heard it here first. Now, this is not going to be officially announced until the morning of Thursday, January 18th, 2018. But since you're my loyal friends, you get the inside scoop. So I'm giving away a hands-free automatic warming lube dispenser called Touch by Warm, valued at $99. Yes, back up. You heard that automatic warming lube dispenser. I actually said that. We recently got ours and we absolutely love it. You can watch my unboxing video I did on my Facebook. It's at facebook.com slash Sunny Megatron. But seriously, this is so my new favorite thing in the universe and it is not even available to the public yet. So my Instagram giveaway only runs for two days. So you have to be fast. You got to pay attention. It's instagram.com slash Sunny Megatron. I'll start the giveaway on Thursday and announce the winners on Saturday, the 20th of January. So you got to hop on this. And if you win, you will have your brand spanking new touch by warm by Valentine's Day. 
And if you're like, well, wait a minute, wait, wait, I still, my brain is not comprehending this. What? Heated hands-free lube dispenser? Go check it out. Visit bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash sunny touch to get a first peek. This week's guests are the Black Pomegranate, more formally Mr. Black and Ms. Pomegranate, also known as Foxy. They're lifestyle BDSM players that are very active in the kink community. They run an award-winning BDSM blog called TheBlackPomegranate.com, and Foxy is a leather title holder. Mr. Black and Foxy tell us about the inner workings of the BDSM community, including how to navigate it if you're a person of color and how to be more welcoming and inclusive if you're an ally. We thought this would be the perfect episode to go into our interview with another sort of mini sex ed lesson taken from our class networking for kinky people. This is a quick bare bones basic primer. You need to know when you come to the realization, hey, I'm kinky, now what? Now the four tips we're about to go over are especially helpful if you want to look for other kinky folks and make connections with others in the kink community. If you're wondering if there are parties and clubs and other social gatherings for kinksters, the answer is absolutely yes. But before you jump in headfirst like a kid in a candy store, step back and focus inward first. Tip number one, before you do anything, explore why you want to get into kink and what you want to get out of it. Now, this might not seem like much or it might seem self-explanatory, but it's a really huge first step that's the foundation on which you'll build your kinky journey. Now, some folks are looking for just a little occasional fun with or without a partner. Others might be looking for an entire community that might become a bigger part of their lives. Ask yourself, are you interested in casual play partners or finding someone more romantically serious long term? Are you non-monogamous or monogamous? Also, what do you want personally when it comes to your kinks? Are you simply drawn to BDSM, but maybe you haven't figured out exactly what your likes and dislikes are, or what your place is, or maybe you are dead set certain that you know you're a submissive and you're really, really into feet. Now, figuring out the answers to these questions alone before you go out and meet other people will help you figure out what events are for you and what play partners are for you. I strongly suggest that everyone fill out what's called a yes no, maybe list. Now, this is a list of a bunch of different kink activities and fetishes. And beside each one, you'll enter, you know, let's say it's a clown play or foot fetish or tickle torture or whatever it is. You'll say either yes, meaning, yeah, I really want to try that. Or yeah, I've done it and I really like it. No, meaning that's a hard limit. No way will you ever want to do that. Or maybe, meaning you're kind of curious, but also kind of apprehensive, but under the right circumstances or with the right person, you might give it a try. Ken and I have a yes, no, maybe list you can get at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash B-D-S-M Y-N-M. Now, the link's going to be in the show notes at SunnyMegatron.com and AmericanSexPodcast.com, so you don't have to write it down now if you can't. Number two, education and research. Now, this is sort of the appetizer of the social events. This is like the food we eat before we eat the food. So what we're doing here is we're taking a look at what is out there. What can I actually put on my plate before I go to a munch, before I go to a class? Now, one of the best single things that anybody can do is join a social networking site like FetLife.com. That's F-E-T-L-I-F-E dot com. And that's short for Fetish Lifestyle. Now, FetLife is uh, somewhere that you can go. It's sort of like 
Facebook, but for perverts. So you can have an anonymous profile on FetLife, which is a really handy tool. Now, when you make a, uh, it, when you're doing it sort of an anonymous profile, you still want to put up what are your kinks, what are your interests, what are the different groups that you're into, but you just might not want to have the level of social interaction yet. Uh, but once you have your real picture up and you have your real desires, that's the point where you really want to start interacting. Now, you want to start by looking at kink communities. You want to visit specific groups that interest you. Uh, they're kind of like message boards where people go and they ask questions, they share resources, and they talk about all the different events that you may want to go to. So, for example, if you are into femdom which is female domination and you might be a male submissive you want to look for those femdom groups or if you want to, if you're into foot fetishes you want to look for foot fetish groups and there is believe me a group for every single thing out there in fact I run the clown play group that's on fetlife the largest one that's there uh, because that's my particular kink. Now, there are also FetLife groups for local events. If you're in Chicago, for example, where we are at, you can join Chicago-specific event groups to see what's going on in that particular area. Now, if you're in the part of the world where there's not a whole lot of folks, it makes it an even better resource because you can find some of these places as an online community as opposed to an in-person community. Now, tip number three, once you've done all that and you've lurked on FetLife, it's time to zero in on some events that might interest you. Remember, if your object is to get involved in the kink community and get out there, you're working towards your goal. So there's all different kinds of events in the kink community like play parties, classes, conferences, and munches. Now, munches are regularly occurring casual networking events for kinky people at restaurants. That's why they're called munches, because you eat there. And if, if it's a bar outing, they're called sloshes, because there's lots of liquid. So they often happen weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. In our town, which is Chicago, there are quite a few months going on in different areas of the city every single week. So munches, what they do is they allow kinky people to meet each other in a very low pressure environment. These are public outings, so there's no play and people are wearing their regular clothes. They're not decked out in fetish gear with their nipples hanging out or anything like that. They're also not pickup or dating events either. They're more like super casual meet and greets. I often recommend that people attend munches early on in their kink community finding journey and I recommend it whether they are single or partnered. When you're new to kink, it's invaluable to have like-minded friends, not just play partners, you know, people you can get advice from or bounce ideas off of, and munches are great places to meet kinky friends and get a feel for who's in your local kink community. Now, classes are also really important too, knowing the basics of BDM, like consent, safe words, negotiation, learning all the techniques for safe play, those things are essential. Local dungeons, sex shops, or maybe sex-positive centers in your area often offer these classes. Ken and I also often teach classes like this. Now, if you can't find them local to where you live, I cannot recommend enough the online learning platform called Kink Academy. Kink Academy offers a library of 2,000 or so BDSM classes from some of the most acclaimed educators and presenters from around the world. And if you do check out Kink Academy, please use our affiliate link. It's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Kink Academy. Now that link's also going to be in our show notes. Oh, and also make sure you listen to episode 16 with Kink Academy founder, Princess Callie. Kink conferences also happen all the time across the country. Basically, they're multiple day events, usually over a weekend with classes during the day and play parties at night. And they're a lot of fun, even life changing. Unfortunately, they can be quite expensive. So 
Sometimes you can find discounted tickets if you volunteer your time at a conference. And most conferences have dedicated FetLife groups, too. And sometimes people are looking to share a room, a hotel room with people to split costs or whatnot. So you can look into that, too. But again, going to conferences isn't always possible for everyone. So if it's the education you're looking for, check out Kink Academy's classes. They're taught by the same presenters that teach at many of these conferences. So there's also play parties, but they deserve a bit more explanation. Number four, familiarize yourself with play party etiquette. Now, first of all, I have a side note here that I want to mention that play parties and even munches can be socially awkward for the first timer. It might, it might even feel like a cool kids club where you see a bunch of people that are very familiar with each other. Maybe somebody doesn't come up to greet you. So you want to be prepared for that. So you know the etiquette for both the munches as well as and especially for play parties. Now, the etiquette there, first and foremost, is to go to a play party, number one, uh, that has a fetish that you're interested in so that you have to follow the rules of that particular fetish. For example, if you're into adult babies, you want to make sure that you respect the fact that there are going to be people playing as bigs that might be the mommy or daddy of an adult baby, and you want to know that the adult babies are going to be there in diapers with rattles playing on the floor, and you want to respect everything about the particular fetish. Now, it can be really intimidating going to your first play party, kind, and it's always really good to bring a like-minded friend. Partnered people have the advantage when they have each other. This is where going to some munches first comes in handy, because at your munches, you might meet a new friend and talk to them about about parties where it might be become a little a bit obvious, first of all, that you're nervous and you want to get into this, but you really don't know how. So this is a really good first step for those of you that are sort of socially awkward. Next, play parties often take place at local dungeons. It's important to know there are different kinds of dungeons. Now, first of all, there are two major types. There are professional dungeons, which are owned by a pro-dom. Uh, the second type are membership dungeons. It's sort of like having a gym membership where lifestyle people get together and they hook up on a Friday or Saturday. Uh, there's places like here in Chicago, we have the Leather Rose Association and GD2. Not everyone is expected to play or get naked at one of these parties. It's okay to lurk. Let the host and other people know that you are new. Most of the time, these people are very friendly and will show you around. They might even give you a tour of the place. Now, one of the other things to keep in mind with this is that you just don't want to touch anybody going into something like this unless you're intimately familiar with that person to the level where you're a partner with them. Otherwise, don't interrupt scenes. Don't overtalk people. Just sort of sit back, watch, and take in all of the sights because there is a lot of cool things to watch before you actually do stuff. Now, be mindful that the, you know, especially of the etiquette of consent. Also, pay attention to the party rules before you go. Some require fetish wear and have a dress code, sort of like the adult baby thing that I mentioned earlier. Some are for certain people only. It might be a femdom foot party or a queer pansexual party or a women-only party or a men-only party. Some kink parties and dungeons allow penetration and some don't. Now, that is really a factor of two things, local legal ordinances and the rules of the dungeon. So some places that you go in, for example, like in Michigan or Texas, allow no penetration at all. So that means loving married partners cannot give each other a blowjob in these particular clubs. What you can do is spanking. You can do impact play. You can do bondage. You can do restraints. But sexy time isn't necessarily something that all BDSM clubs either offer or want to have happening at that club. So long story short, be aware of the rules ahead of time, especially if there's a chance that you might play. 
I do want to reiterate that these are tips specifically for people looking to get into the kink community and be somewhat active there. Now, there are plenty of kinky people, though, that don't want to connect with a larger community, and that's a perfectly valid way to practice kink, too. You can do it at home. There's no one-size-fits-all way to practice kink. Those who never intend to connect with a community, however, still might find some of the things that we mentioned helpful, like using a yes-no-maybe list, joining FetLife for simply lurking around and learning and using educational sites like Kink Academy. And for those that do want to get involved with the kink community, although a cornerstone of BDSM is consent and in healthy kink, people communicate clearly and honestly, the kink community isn't a utopia. We have jerks and predators and manipulators just like any other cross-section of society. So if you do go out on a date with someone, do like you would normally do. Always have a safe call and do things like get references for your potential play partners before you play. Yeah, that's the cool thing about the kink community is it's really common to talk to past and present play partners of the person that you are considering playing with to get a reference. So again, all the links we mentioned are in our show notes. And this was a quick drive by. It was a really quick, here's a couple points because it's a podcast and we got all their stuff to talk about. But Ken and I teach BDSM classes, everything from beginner level stuff to advanced things like electric play and interrogation techniques. So visit SunnyMegatron.com to check out where we're teaching next or to book us for a class. And to conclude, if you have any other questions that we haven't addressed here, because we did keep this a little bit short, please give us a call at our phone for answering questions. The phone number there is 773-MUFFTOY. That's right. It's 773-MUFFTOY. Give us a question and we will play it on air. Ken Stina? Yes, Mommy Dearest? Take them into the interview now or you get the hanger again. Yes, Mommy Dearest? Come with me into the interview, and we will take a look at the black pomegranate. Good girl. You love mommy. I do love mommy. With us on this episode, we have the black pomegranate. They are collectively Mr. Black and Ms. Pomegranate, also known as Foxy, two East Coast-based kink educators and bloggers who have presented nationally on issues such as consent, BDSM, inclusion, diversity, social media, leather communities, and sex-positive dynamics. Mr. Black is an experienced bondage rigor, lifestyle-dominant, writer, and kink presenter who also works with sex-positive nonprofits. Ms. Pomegranate is known as Foxy and holds the title of Mid-Atlantic Leather Woman 2018. An experienced lifestyle dom and writer, Foxy speaks nationally about inclusion in the leather and kink communities. Welcome, both of you. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show today. I want to ask a question to you, Foxy. Now, you are a leather title holder. And I don't know if have we had any leather title no. holders. You're a first, I uh, think. We've had former leather title right. holders, but nobody who's a current right. leather title holder. And that's uh, a really interesting thing. Can you tell us a little bit about what is a leather title. So a leather title is something that, that a region decides that they're going to put on a contest and have somebody represent the leather community 
out in the world or out in the, you know, out in the scene, out, they, they will represent sometimes mid-Atlantic, sometimes they'll represent an eagle bar. There's a couple of eagle contests. New York City, um, has an eagle contest. DC Eagle has one. So they just say that we feel like you represent what leather means to us and we want you to represent us for the next year. So it's really kind of an honor. From what I understand, uh, there's also, this is more than just like, a fashion show like people sometimes are confused that they think that it's oh they're just you know wearing leather and right it's, it's not like here's my leather outfit right. it's a whole lifestyle the, the, this right is, this is about community about giving back it's about volunteerism the, the, and it seems to be that there's a lot more uh can you can you recall uh, like a couple of the qualifications that surprised you well i don't know if it necessarily surprised me because I, I knew what leather contests were before i went into it but i will say that we like to say that leather is the last bastion of sexual um outlaws you know like we are the last sort of holdouts of all of that is filthy and just out there you know we just no apologies we are who we are, right? So when you go out, you have to do an interview with a panel of judges of leather men and women in the community, and that happens before the contest. Then you have to go out and kind of show your leather, right? You know, that's on stage. And then you do like a fantasy, and sometimes that will involve um, play on stage in front of in front of the audience. Like, hey, this is something I do. Um, men are a little bit different. Men have to go out in a jock strap and sort of show themselves. So the men's conference uh, competition is a little bit different. And then the last portion is, is usually, um, a formal leather look, what we call high cow in leather. You know, it's all leather sort of formal. I had a long dress, long leather dress, and then you give a speech about what you plan to do for the next year. So yeah, it, I mean, it, it's, it's main to show, it's, it's, it's forced to show that, you know, you are leather in every aspect of the, not that you can just wear leather, but that you are leather. You can get down with leather. So yeah, it's, <laughs> they want to make sure that you are not just, um, wearing a sash and, and, you know, waving at people. They like, they want to make sure that you're out there in the community, that you're playing, that you're representing, um, what our values are. So for those listening that are like, whoa, this is the first time I heard this leather thing. What is it? So would everybody in the kink community or everybody who considers themselves kink also be considered leather? Or what makes someone leather or part of the leather community versus, hey, I'm just kinky? So it's a little bit of a, a Venn diagram. So if you are kinky and queer in any sense of the word, um, you definitely can, and, and you have like a penchant for leather, you can definitely be leather. Leather is very inclusive in that in that area. It's certainly not a place for hets. Uh, I, you know, I, I see a lot more heterosexuals coming in, but, um, I think they have a little bit of a tougher time because it still is that, again, it's that last corner of the gay men and the queer women, um, you know, corner of, of sex. So yeah. So if you love leather and you're queer, we have a place for you. <laughs> um, so I definitely, I think that, um, they, Leather is, is a, a form of radicalism um, among the sex-positive community that it still sort of is leading the way in that sense. Carlton, you're definitely a Renaissance man, blogger, writer, bondage-rigger, dominant, certified geek. Uh, you've, you've promoted events. You've been a DM at all sorts of dungeons. But one of the things I wanted to talk to you about that I've heard amazing things about the Be More Munch. And from what I understand, are, are you the guy who actually founded it? Yes, I am. I founded to be more much about six years ago, actually. And um, it wasn't a munch that really was inclusive in our area. Um, like we had like munches that were kind of segmented where you had munches for like older people that were maybe like in the master slave dynamic. Or you had munches mm-hmm. that were TNG munches that were... Which is that's for younger folks. Yeah, were like... Um, 
focused towards younger people, and I had just timed out of when I could really go to TNG marches. So I was like relatively new to the community myself, and I said, so what I should do is kind of like try to form and make my own place. And that's what I've done all my life and through different stages of my life, try to make a place for myself. But in making a place for myself, it also gave me an opportunity to make a place for other people. So I like formed it be more much and started like basically opening the doors to everybody. And when I hosted, I said like, as long as you're an adult, basically you can come. So we made places for queer people, we made places for kinksters, poly people, we had lover people to come through. Virtually, everybody came through the door of the Doom Run Munch. And it was kind of a gateway community that let a lot of people get into kink and connect with the community in a low-pressure environment. And that was always very important to me. And something else that was always important to me when I hosted a munch was to greet or to shake the hand of everybody that came. Nice. Because I... I know the feeling of going somewhere and you kind of like end up standing by at the wall by yourself. And um, so when I started hosting a munch, what I did was everybody that would come into the munch, I would get up, I would greet them, I would shake their hand, would introduce them. And I tried to use it as, a, as an opportunity for people to network. Where if you, know, if you had an interest in rope and there was somebody there that did rope, you maybe could connect with that person, or if you wanted to know about a certain party, or you wanted to know about a certain fetish, that I was always trying to facilitate, like, connecting people, networking people, and saying, okay, here are the resources that you can find, here's how you can go out and find these other things, and hopefully do it in a safer way, and hopefully do it in a way that's going to work for you. Now, it seems as though you've done a lot to open up doors for people that are underrepresented, can't talk today, but uh, underrepresented, or people that may not feel as included in some instances. Like, I it's, I think it's awesome that you had so much attention to detail, because I know what it's like going to a munch where you're not greeted, and you're not, um, you don't know anybody there, and there's no icebreaker or a way, if you're kind of introverted a little bit, to really get to know some of the people there now and um, for a lot of folks it's their first entry point into the community right. they, they like finally got up the balls to be like i'm gonna go to an event i'm terrified i don't know what i'm gonna see and when they're just kind of like in the corner and nobody's talking to them it can really make or break their entire kink experience it really can uh and i wanted to first of all thank you for doing that but also one of the things that I know that you sort of specialize in is like taking the personal and making it political. Now, I think that, um, and I would like to hear it from you, of course, but like, uh, what do you think sort of prompted some of that? Well, I live in Baltimore. I was born and raised in Baltimore. So I've always been very conscious of how society, how culture, how politics, how your environment tends to affect you affects you personally and how it affects your life. And a lot of times I think when we're in kink communities, we tend to think that we're separate. And I think that sometimes when we get into a problem in kink communities where we think that we're separate and we don't think that we have to deal with a lot of the problems that are in larger society, that I actually see kink communities as a microcosm of society. Because kink communities tend to usually be so much smaller and so much focused and concentrated. So it's almost like a microcosm of 
racism, sexism, classism, um, misogyny, all of the problems that you may find on a larger scale in the other and larger world, you find it all concentrated in the kink world. And that's not to say that everything is bad in the kink world because you can find some amazing, wonderful, connected, nutritive things. But it's kind of like being on your own little planet or um, like what I what sometimes I'll sarcastically say to people is that the kink community isn't isn't um, the starfish. It isn't this perfect little community where everybody goes and everybody gets along. It's a dynamic community where there's a lot of things affecting other things. And I think that was one of the uh, catalysts for um, the presentation we gave at Woodhull about unhacking sex positivity in the post-truth era. Because um, I actually was sitting in Foxy's house when I was, and we had talked back and forth about different topics for Woodhull. And I was sitting in Foxy's house, and it was the weekend of the Women's March. So it was the weekend of the Women's March. It was right after the inauguration. And it was right around the time when, like, alternative facts, like the, um, the term alternative facts was coined. And it was in my mind, like, a few weeks before that, uh, post-truth was the word of the year for 2016. So it's like, Okay, we're in this weird kind of um, dynamic with this weird kind of world where the truth really doesn't apply or the truth really doesn't matter. And the truth is affecting all of these different things and what people say as alternative facts are affecting all of these different things. So, like when Foxy and I talked, it was like, how does that affect our lives as sex positive people? How does that dynamic, how does um, legislation and all of these different things and all of this different information, how does it affect us as sex positive people, as kinky people, as people of different genders, of, of different levels of queerness? How does that affect all of us? I think it, it, it's interesting because there are a lot of people, I feel, in the kink community that will make assumptions. And usually these people are... Mm, often I see there are people that aren't in marginalized communities, kind of like your stereotypical white person who's liberal, who thinks, hey, everyone in the kink community is so liberal and accepting because, hey, look at all the stuff we're doing, you know? You just and des- I've had times. You just described me when I first came into the, the kink community. Oh, really? <laughs> to, a, to a T, and I will own up to it. Like, how is it that you can be, you know, a supporter of whatever when you're in the community? Look, like you just said, we're free. We're we're practicing, you know, this radical thing, and and we're outside the norm. So of course you have to be liberal. Nope. <laughs> I gotta yeah. I gotta wake up really fast. And I was like, oh, okay. And then yeah. So and then I opened your eyes to some other things that are going on. You're like, oh, this isn't what I imagined it would be. And I think we all have those moments where we all think it's going to be a certain way, um, and then you sort of learn. Whatever your misconceptions are, whether they're sort of my rose-colored glasses, we're all liberals, <laughs> or you think that all spaces are going to be welcoming, none of that is true. I mean, there are lots of reasons that some spaces aren't welcoming to uh, to men or to some people, some spaces are only for people of color or whatever. So, um, yeah, you, you learn and you, and you adapt. 
it's a good thing. Now, I know, you know, taking that same sentiment and those same thoughts that there are a lot of people that walk in with the rose-colored glasses and they think, hey, everything's hunky-dory and peachy keen and everybody's happy. And when you are a person of color in the kink community, as as you are, Carlton, does it make you kind of want to bop people over the head? Like, hey, not only are we all getting along great hunky-dory, there's a lot of other things going on that a lot of the kink community doesn't see if they're not in a marginalized group, if they're not a person of color. So how do you deal with putting that into the mix? Well, that's actually something that we presented about at Woodhull last year, which um, we did a presentation called Different Shades of Kink, Questions of Diversity and Sex-Positive Lifestyles. And what that was about basically was some of the different challenges that people of color deal with when they enter into kink communities. And by microcosm, I guess you could look at other forms of diversity, but um, our presentation was focused specifically on people of color and allies. And um, some of the things that we touched on were things like economics and social status and the fact that you may have a heightened risk if you're a person of color getting into kink. Right. Because typically, a lot of times when you go to a kink space, unless you're going to a dedicated person of color kink space, you may be one of the people of color in that kink space. So you automatically may run into a, a situation where you're fetishized, sometimes without your consent. Or you may run into a situation where economics come into play. Because one thing that people don't think about with kink a lot of times, kink is extremely expensive. I kind of compare it to CrossFit, where you can go to a kink event and you may see somebody with a $700 leather dress on, and you may see somebody with $200 boots, you may see somebody with a $400 boat kit, or you may see somebody with a $300 flower, or you may be at an event that costs $1,000 or a you know, from a thousand to twelve hundred dollars when you focus cap factor in registration, travel, food, and everything. So, a lot of times it's not accessible to a lot of people of color and it's not accessible to a lot of different communities. And when you get to a place when you're a person of color and you go to some of these events, there's always a certain amount of nerves that you have as a person of color because. Uh, I use the analogy of, um, there's an old expression that when white people sneeze, black folks catch cold. So you have that heightened social, I guess, pressure where if something goes wrong, you may have a different consequence than a white person may have in that same situation. Because I, I can remember years ago, I was in a play space and I was playing... I was playing with a friend of mine at the time, and I had her on her back, had her tied in a TK, and I'm doing knife play with her, and I'm holding a knife to her throat. And just out of the blue, I laughed, because she was Caucasian, and I laughed to myself, and I said, you know what, if somebody walks in or the police raid this place, I may have a problem. I was just thinking, this has got to be the scariest fucking time to be a black male dominant just driving around in your car on the way to an event. If you get pulled over and they find a bunch of rope, a knife, you know, a single tail whip, that could, you could die. You could literally die. You would be, you know, there's, there's circumstances which, you know, as everybody knows, that causes death in instances like this. Just driving while black and driving while being a black male dominant 
is got to be frightening to a certain extent. I'm very careful how I travel. I'm very careful where I go a lot of times. And a lot of times I don't play in like private spaces. I, I meet people at play spaces. I don't really do like home events or, or such like that. I do play in major events. I'm typically careful about what I do. But that's something that a lot of times that a white dominant or a white person that's in the scene may not think about. That if I'm stopped somewhere and I have knives on, or if I'm stopped somewhere and I've got, like you say, I've got the implements that could be used in assault. I've got handcuffs. I've got a gag. I've got these different things. Somebody may interpret that very differently dealing with me than they may interpret that with somebody else. Now, my, my privilege allows me to take all of my uh, bonded shit and throw it in the back seat of a car, not thinking twice about if I get pulled over, you know, anything's going to happen to me. What kind of preparations do you need to take to prevent any kind of negative interaction? Typically, I plan out when I'm going to travel. Um, I don't drive, so I um, sometimes I'll take tra- public transportation or I take Uber as my friend. Um, I, I travel with Foxy when we go to events a lot of times. I travel with Foxy and I plan out where I'm going to travel, but I'm usually very meticulous and very careful about the areas that I go in. And sometimes I won't feel comfortable going in certain areas. Other times I will, but I'm very careful where I plan, where I go and what I do. I don't typically do like pick up play with people. Like I'm, probably never going to be a person that would meet somebody, talk to them, and would go to their house without knowing them like super, super well, just to like play a casual scene or something like that. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and we're going to be right back with Mr. Black and Miss Pomegranate. Castle Megastore. Once you see their sex toys, you'll want more. I have no idea if Castle Megastore actually has a theme song, but I really dig Castle Megastore. So that's my gift to you, Castle, your very own theme song. And you listeners get a gift, too, if you go to CastleMegastore.com and use discount code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, when you check out, you will receive 20% off your order. That's amazing! Castle mega store when you get your sex toys you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money you'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like oh my god give me water those are the best orgasm ever I know you're fancy, and I know you've been eyeing some of those luxury sex toys, haven't you, you frisky little fox? Well, I also know that you enjoy a good discount, don't you, dear? You now can get 20% off your entire order, plus free shipping, at luxury sex toy retailer Lalo.com with discount code SUNNY. Yes, dear, you heard me right. 20% off anything your little heart, or, well, other parts, desire at Lelo.com using discount code S-U-N-N-Y. Yes, dear, you can thank me later. And we're back with Mr. Black and Miss Pomegranate. Now, how long have you each been in the kink scene, and then how long have you known each other? Well, actually, I think this next year will be five years. We've known each other four years now, and we were both already in the scene uh, when we met. 
And we went out on a date. We're like, well, this is not really our thing. We're not really sort of connecting that way. But we stay, we have stayed friends. So it's been sort of awesome. Um, but I was in kink, I think, a year or two before him. Uh, or no, sorry, a year or two before I met him. I think he might have been in kink before I was, though. I got in kink, and I studied like kink for about a year. And then what I did was I spent like close to maybe like two years where I just went to like classes and went to different lunches, went to classes, learned, and um, like basically went to play spaces. And I did what I, I did like an almost two-year period where I, I called it my apprenticeship where I learned about everything that I had an interest in. I learned about it. I learned about vote. I learned about impact. I bottomed for people. I just did this whole process of working my way up until I felt comfortable to start doing basic things. And then I kind of like just started to develop and kind of go from there. Wow, you did it the right way. It's like you put yourself through like self-study kink school, which you didn't dive in head first and do a bunch of stuff that you're like, what the hell did I do? So good job. (laughs) I wish more people would do that. I had a lot of people to give me advice. And one of the best pieces of advice that I got It was from a person who was much more experienced than me. And she looked at me and she said, take your time and learn. And I know that's kind of like a cliche where people say, you know, take your time and everything goes slowly. And she said to me, she said to me just like this, take your time and go slow. Because if you don't and you fuck up, nobody will ever let you forget it. Oh, yeah. Very true. And that is true. And what went through my mind was kind of like an ECW wrestling. Like if anybody's a wrestling fan, ECW wrestling used to have this thing where the crowds were really, really rowdy. And if a per- if a if somebody in the wrestling match would mess up, like people would start chanting, "You fucked up! You fucked up!" <laughs> and that went through my mind. And I said, "Okay, how do I avoid that?" And for the most part, I've avoided. All right. So you did your homework. You you both got into kink. You met each other. And then somewhere along the way, you're like, hey, let's not only be educators. You have your your blog. Didn't you guys, um the uh, kinkly uh, blog, you won an they award, were, they right? They were the top bloggers, I believe. Yeah, like last year, the year before? No, 2015, we were 2015. the uh, top bloggers. And uh, actually, congratulations to you for taking the top spot this year. Thank you. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. So you you do your blog, you educate. How and why did you start diving into education? I think that it I think that it becomes sort of natural. I've been a blog. I was a blogger before I started the sex blog, and then I started the sex blog, and right almost right after I started, I brought Mister Black on because I was like, he has a really unique voice um, and can speak to a lot of the more um, political issues in kink and and the things that I necessarily don't do. But I I just think that it goes hand in hand. You can't. If if you write, I think you almost always sort of teach as well. Um, mm-hmm. And there's always uh, a gap to fill. And one of the ways you raise the, I guess, you know, raise the profile of your blog is to make appearances. And making appearances is usually means giving talks uh, on sex. So it just sort of naturally flows, right? And um, I think that there is a big gap in good... BDSM blogs. There are some great sex blogs out there, and we could all probably name like our top twenty that we really love, and they're doing an amazing job. But as far as the like BDSM blogs, I, I just I had trouble finding like 
a really good group. There's a, there's a couple here and there, but like not as many. And I always think that's a void that needs to be <laughs> that's a void that needs to be filled. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know maybe if E. A. James you know had had this or G or whatever her name was from Fifty Shades, she'd had like a good blog. Maybe her stuff wouldn't have been so trash. I who can say you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah. What can different event owners and dungeon owners do? to attract people of color so that it's not all homogenous white people and to make it more inclusive yeah and to make it more inclusive but what like uh like it's got to be a very unique feeling at the very least to be the only person of color in a room full of white folks what can we do to actually bring that down and make it a realistic way to have people of color feel welcome and invited into a dungeon space. If you tend to be in a certain class in life, and you're in a certain profession, you're working in a certain field, and you have certain friends, you tend to be around the same people. So if you invite somebody into kink, you may only invite people that work at the same company as you, or went to the same school as you, or live in the same neighborhood. Or you may invite people that you personally think are attractive or hot and not really try to go outside of the box and open things to everybody. And what I think what you have to do with kink is you have to really open the doors and say, okay, here's what kink is and here's what kink can be. Here's where you can find a place. And that place can be virtually anything. If you want to, if you're in a status of life where you can go pay that three hundred dollars for a flogger, and you want to do that flogging scene, you have a place. If you're a person that perhaps wants to learn about kink, but you maybe don't have money for all of that gear, you can learn about mental D- DS, or you can learn about dynamics, or you can you know learn about spanking. You, it's all of these different things, or you know you can be a furry, you can be a pet player. You can do all of these things, and you can find your place, you can find a community, and one of the greatest things, one of the greatest strengths that like kink and other communities and such have is that it can be a place where people can find themselves. So, if you've struggled with identity, and you've struggled with acceptance, you can go out and be around people where you say, my weird is okay. I can find people that will accept me and accept all of my attributes for who and what it is, not necessarily, you know, judge me on the basis, on a, maybe a larger society's basis, where I don't fit in. I can find my own place to fit in. Some simple things that people can do is just actually reach out to people of color. It's odd that you would mention it because, um, like, two weeks ago, Foxy and I were at an event, and uh, we did, like, a rope demo, And there was a question and answer session, and there was actually a woman of color, and she asked questions, she asked um, some people about uh, questions about sex toys. And she said, I'm interested in it, but I don't know anything about it. I don't even know where to buy them, and I'm kind of scared of it. And fortunately, there was a woman of color who, who owned a store and was able to approach that woman and to speak to her about toys. And it's just like those little things like that. Like if you can bring people into a community and maybe you can look at a person of color and say, hey, you know, a sex toy, you know, you're not going to go to hell if you masturbate. Here's something cool where you can get self-pleasure and you can get connected with yourself and enjoy sex in that way. Or um, if you play with rope, 
here's where you can do something with varnish, and it's really a great experience. It can be fun. You can learn. You can connect with your partner and do different things, and here's how you do it. And it's just like any other type of networking and just bringing and letting people get into a community or a space. And it's very important to be conscious of the space that you hold. And that's really the obligation of um, organizers and event promoters and such to create a safe space and to hold a safe space for people. So if you have a venue and you have an event, I, whenever I host an event, I tell venues and one of, one of my rules and Foxy is a tremendous support in backing me up and being vocal about things is we don't take bullshit in different events. It's like if we do a demo event and you come to it to that demo event to teach, you better teach everybody that comes through that door. The only thing is if that person can sense and if you feel comfortable working with that person. It shouldn't be that you only want to work with people that you think are attractive or that you think are hot. Or you, you want to cherry pick, let me teach this person, not let me teach that person. You should teach everybody. You should be willing to reach out and give information to everybody. Um, you should make a safe space. I don't care who you are. You should try your best to make a safe, productive space for people. And that's a, it takes a lot of due diligence, but it's really that important. One of the things that we do in leather, and I think and to a lesser extent in BDSM, is that we recognize that these have been um, historically white spaces because we have not been open enough, and that that is a problem. So that we have to have those hard conversations about why aren't there more black title holders? Why don't we see more black men and queer black women in leather clubs? Why aren't they coming through the door? And so we have to face a painful past, which is we excluded them 30, 40 years ago. And now we have to um, live up to our sort of roots and say, we are here for everybody and we are here for all of the radicalness that they're going to bring. They're going to bring in the, the Black Lives Matter. They're going to bring in the one for social justice. And we have to stand for that because that's that's who we are. It's not just about the awesome sex that we're having. It's also about the fact that we are, are always fighting for, for justice. You know, when you think about uh, Stonewall and then it started by a, a, you know, a black woman, I think that we have to be there for it and we have to help them show up and, and be, a, and teach us what we need, what we need to know. Not necessarily teach us, but be a part of the community and change us in the ways that we need to be changed. I think that gets into like larger conversations where we need to kind of like own our shit when it comes to racism. But we need to also own like our problems when it comes to things like misogyny in spaces, when it comes to things like transphobia in spaces. We need to own all of these different isms that we have and say, you know, we have problems and what are we doing to actively correct them and actively approach them and deal with them? It's like one thing we still deal with when we like sometimes like apply to present it things. Like sometimes when we'll fill out the application or people will approach us about talking, people will say, well, okay, Mr. Black, you're the top and Foxy is, is your demo bottom. And oh, demo, yes. and it's like demo bottoms have a tremendous role, but I say she demos for me at times for certain things, but she's my co-presenter. Right. I literally could not do what I'm doing if it was not for her support 
her input, her knowledge, and all the different things that she brings to the table. And it's like people will automatically assume that I'm the top and she's the bottom. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's that gendered thinking, and it's like the same thing with racism. It's misogyny. It's all of these different isms that we need to approach, we need to address, and say, why are you thinking like that? Why is your venue thinking like that? And how do we change those behaviors and those attitudes? But as long as you come to the community and you're willing to have those difficult conversations, we're there for it. I mean, we will show up for you. I mean, I, I just want to say, you know, like, don't be scared. Like, if you're hearing all this, you're thinking, I just want to go and have sex and, and have BDSM. I'm like, that just, isn't, that just isn't the way that life works. But just as long as you're willing to let people have those hard conversations, you're good. Right. Now, have you noticed... I kind of have, and I'm, I'm frustrated. I want to hear if you, both of you are frustrated, but in the last couple of years, especially since the election, it has been more at the top of people's minds who run events or who are very active in the community. Yes, we need to be inclusive. We need to be aware of racism and misogyny and all the, all the isms, right? Right. And they will, you know, make an effort to, let's say, be more inclusive or yada, yada. And then it kind of after that, it all goes back, you know, there's there's like the tone deafness and the the underlying thing still happening. Nothing's really changed. But they made sure like, hey, let's make sure our panel's diverse. Okay, we did it. We fought racism. Yeah. Done. You know, like, do you notice that happening now? You know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about with that in his um, podcast. Uh, revisionist history it's called moral licensing like it's the fact that oh i did my part so now i don't have to do anything else right so it depends on who you are if you're a person who's just going to show up at a dungeon at a party you want to play with your partner on some furniture you want to have a great time and you want to leave if that's what you're there for that's fine you're welcome to do that we are not going to judge you for that have fun we're here to help you in your sexual radicalness but if you want to be part of the community you have to show up when um, those panels are diverse. You have to show up and say, hey, this panel needs to be diverse too. Um, you have to be a voice to make sure that the people that are coming after you and the people that are your peers are also having those conversations and are seeing that diversity. And sometimes you have to have the difficult conversations and that goes into across the board and like sometimes that you have to have the conversations about consent. You have to have the uncomfortable conversations. You have to have the uncomfortable conversations about calling out the behaviors. You have to have these different conversations and say, okay, something happened and it wasn't right. Maybe I can't support this venue, or maybe I can't support this party, or maybe I have to speak out on that person that's super popular, even though it may cost me to kind of get blacklisted and not get invited to that hot party. And that's where you've got to kind of, I guess, deal with that deeper thing and not just be worried about, okay, what am I doing on Friday? Am I, am I, am I cool? Am I having my sex? Am I having my fun? Am I play? And not think about those deeper issues. Right. And, and, and now it comes, all comes back to you saying that the King community is a microcosm of society because that's exactly what's going on now. People are standing, you know, with the Me Too, with the, you know, shedding light on various behaviors and wrongs. People are really starting to stand up and do that. And instead of being ignored, other people are supporting them. So 
hopefully will follow suit in the kink community or have you seen us following suit? Do you see a lot more support for people speaking up as of late? I see uh, more support, but there needs to be a lot more and we need to continue to have those conversations and we need to actually do proactive things because it, um, it's kind of like what you were echoing that sometimes, you know, people will like talk about consent when something happens and then two weeks later it goes away. Or people will talk about racism and two weeks later it goes away. Or they'll talk about misogyny and two weeks later it'll, it'll go away because people will be like, oh, you know what? Well, I just want to go to my party and, you know, there's somebody really cute that I want to hook up with and just let me focus on that. And that has its place, but then sometimes you have to do the harder work. And the thing that's cool is if you do the harder work and you build a better community overall, then ultimately you're going to have a better product because you're going to have a safer community, you're going to have a more diverse community, you're going to have better play, and you're going to have better communication. And that's the thing that I guess kinky people, it's almost become cliche to say, oh, well, we communicate, we communicate, we talk. And sometimes we have to have those really hard, difficult conversations (laughs) where we want to break down and cry or scream or get upset. We need to have those conversations and use those conversations as a catalyst to like change things or work on things that we need to do. And that's for our friends, our partners, and a lot of times it's for ourselves too. Unfortunately, the King community isn't where it should be when it comes to consent violations or getting rid of predators and, and that is oh, that's a whole other show right there. right yeah. so you know but we're talking about in this day and age of people like being outed and whatnot as sexual predators so sometimes even if you're having the hard conversation you're not going to get very far because because we do a terrible job of policing ourselves because the police will not help us so we have to do it ourselves um so yeah i think that just go in with a with an open mind but also be willing to just speak up you know what being on the moral ethical and the right side of history is always going to be a struggle. It's going to be eternal. It will never end until everybody is truly on the same side and has equal power. And we've got a hell of a long way to go. So I wanted to thank the both of you for coming on the show today. Mr. Black, Ms. Pomegranate, thank you so much. We are so honored to have you on today. Thank you. We love you. We love to come and talk anytime about leather and kink, BDSM, whatever. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.